0: Hours every weekday covering everything from Tara, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, soul to soul.
1: 101.9 High FM We are back as we do every Monday, where we discuss education between two to three. We discuss Everything about education, about chinoch, about being better people, about how can we influence the world to be a better place? How can we influence ourselves to be better people? What can we pass on to the next generation? What can we improve ourselves with? And you know, many times it sounds like a very big thing to discuss. How can we improve the world? How can we improve ourselves? And this tish above, it really got me thinking about how can one improve himself in the world, and we will get to that very shortly. Um, and just a bit in the, the, of a discussion, how much influence do we really have regarding other people, regarding our people around us, and I'm referring to, you know we'll start with that for today, even though later on in the show we have many packed stuff, uh, one of the biggest educators around the world, We'll be here in studio very soon. Rabbi Hanoch Teller who's written numerous books. His latest is about uh, heroes, children. I guess how to turn our children into heroes, which is a very big topic here, specifically in S- South Africa and what we have gone through in the past about heroes and children, etc. So we're going to be talking about that later on, but let's go to where we started. How can I influence the world, which is really what the show discusses. And it was very interesting for me. Yesterday, on Tisha B'Av, as I started with, to see um, how much can an individual have influence on the world. We'll start with activities in many of the shuls, many of the communities. We're having screenings from organizations from overseas. Organizations that put together programs for Tisha B'Av, organizations that don't know maybe anybody in South Africa, except for the people who organized it, not a direct link. And still, we had hundreds, at least, of kids and children, <laughs> kids. Well, what's happening today? I guess after Tishub of work, confused a bit. Many adults, many kids, families, men and women, all coming forward to hear these and to watch these amazing screenings of rabbis from overseas speaking. They were screened throughout the community in many places, and it got me thinking: How can one who I don't know if he has been in South Africa before, or he was. Apparently, some of the rabbis are here currently, even, that we've seen on the screening. But some of them were never here. Some of them, I don't know what if they have any connection with South Africa. So maybe they do, maybe they don't. But still, taking a video of them in their country, in their place, giving a talk, was screened throughout a full community, which means the individual has such power and such influence in the world in such a easy simple way consistently we see the world changing from the public to the individual from the bigger powers to the um, to, to your own power you could sit with a you have a camera on your phone you could sit anywhere at any time take a video it can go viral you could make a change how much power do we have as individuals and i think the way we are living now that we keep on seeking information, keep se- seeking things from overseas, and really living it is way wider and stronger than we had in the past. And with it comes tremendous amount of responsibility, the understanding that whatever we do can help other people, can become um, worldwide spread. And on the other hand, even if we don't want it to happen, it could still happen. Because the other side of the screenings that I'm talking about, there was a video that went in Israel viral yesterday about a certain restaurant without going into details. Still, we saw how one person with one camera was able to actually create a reaction throughout social media, throughout the society, throughout the country, bring big questions about Judaism, about religious life, about um, uh, running private lives via skashas, in many areas. One person, one ca- one cell phone who took a picture, changed the whole world. So it's unbelievable the amount of power we have, which leads to the amount of power you have. So if you're just sitting in your car or driving uh, and driving and listening to the show, or your or your home or whatever it is, and you have what to add, you have what to say about the show. You have what to say. What do you feel? What do you feel? Do you feel that the uh, exposure and the power that we have today is Overwhelming is it taking us over? How scary is it? Or really can we come to a point that we are using this power only for the best? What do you think about that? Please send it in. 34519 is an SMS line. Unfortunately, WhatsApp is not available right now. However, we have telegram. O six one eight nine five one oh one nine is a tele- telegram number. 061-895-1019. Or, as we said, SMS is three four five. How can we really um, use the power of the individual to influence the world? It is way easier, way cheaper, really available. What can we do to actually use the power for the best? And it could lead to many areas. It could lead to, to areas of education. It could lead to areas of getting across a message, sharing stuff. Helping other people, and vice versa, seeing somebody who had a message that went viral, or uh, news thing that happened, or information that went viral, and being in a very simple way able to help and to support from far is also a fascinating thing. Fascinating thing that we have today: the the how available things are, how strong the ability is to get from point A to point B of information, is fascinating. So that's just one thought to start with that we've had about the past days. Saying that, very interesting times that we are focusing now, kind of going from yesterday of the darkest day of the year, the hardest time of the year, into a lightful time, into just today's almost like a regular day. And yesterday we were so far back from that. How do we transfer? How do we make the changes from completely in deep moments to in a regular, normal day. We'll get to that very shortly. 101.9 Cha'efem, Chay Chai a short ad break. We'll be right back. This is Soul, Soul to Soul on 101.9 Fm. 101.9 Cha'efem, FM. Chai We are back. Fascinating song, which we'll touch on in a, in a moment. Just an announcement first. Pick and Pay, Hyper, Norwood, has the following specials valid from the 23rd of July to... 29th of July 2018. Buy any pick and pay. Buy any four pick and pay potatoes. Four kilograms. Butter not three kilograms. Onions three kilograms. Sweet potatoes two kilograms. Or tomatoes two kilograms for a hundred r- rands. Pick and pay p- pure sunflower oil. Two liters. twenty nine ninety nine each. Pick and pay white sugar. Two and a half kilograms. 28 rands each. Buy two tastic long grain. Pre-boiled rice, 2 kilograms for 40 rand. Jungle oats, 1 kilogram, twenty-nine, twenty-one ninety each. Bocomo wheat, wheatabix, 900 grams, 38.99 each. Pick and pay fresh milk, 2 liters. Assorted, 21.99 each. That's pick and pay, Hyper, Norwood. Okay, just a thought I was uh, this, hearing the this song while we were in the short break, a beautiful song. Craig knows how to choose some songs for us. And the words were fascinating about the responsibility of a person to calculate life, to take responsibility, to try to stop and think what's worth when and why. Which means that even when we look into Mitzvahs and doing the right thing and the wrong thing. We're looking at something a very important concept of actually touching on to responsibility and catching on to what is worth the the other thing. And that's something that we get through to a lot on the show. Something that happens a lot is how do I figure out decisions, situations, because more than every that every decision is. What yes to do, many times every decision is what not to do. Many decision comes in and says, uh, what uh, I chose now means I can do something else. If I want to be here now, I won't be there someplace else later on, or I won't be at the same time, I can't be two, two places. Which means this isn't, making a decision is a very important factor. Now, when we're coming from a life that we are completely with overloaded, with many options, many many things that are available consistently, wherever we want, whatever we want, whenever we want, we have so much going on for us. It is very hard to make a decision towards what we want. And I find it more and more with teenagers, with kids that are coming and saying, everything is so easy to get to, everything is so available. How do we really teach ourselves to make a decision? How do we really practice these kind of situations that we want something and we understand what the price would be to give it up. And I think that if we just look at the simple words of the simple lyrics that's brought down in the in, in this farm that we just heard right now, just the concept of really focusing and really just calculating what is worth in other and, and what is not. How do I make a decision and what would be more appropriate for me now? What is more worth it for me now, even though I'm giving up, even though I'm losing, even though it means that because I take this choice I won't have the other one. Still, I can bring myself to the point of saying, this is what is important for me now. And the biggest thing about it is to be happy with the decision. Because the regrets is what's killing us, what's holding us back consistently. And many times when I speak to kids, we try to go through what would happen if you want something you have a certain amount of money, you walk up to a soda machine and you have two different companies and you don't know what to choose. With The amount of kids that tell me so I wouldn't buy either or the amount of kids that tell me I will buy both even though I need only one because I can't decide which brand I want, which one I prefer, it shocks me every time. How many times we find a situation that we get things we don 't need just because we can 't make a decision and we can 't give up on something and by the way, once we have it we don 't even need it we don 't even use it it 's not part of who of what we need and who we are, but still, the difficulty of giving up on something is almost impossible for the way the way we are growing up today and and there 's a massive price to it, and that price is something that we need to focus on. So, looking at that, we're going to have to um, very shortly go to another uh, quick break. However, when we come back, um, I'm hopefully going to be speaking with Rabbi Hanoch Taylor here in studio. We're going to be discussing these points of education, where we live today, where we're holding today, what happens. Uh, how can we get our kids tuned in to being heroes, to moving on, to achieving, to managing, to getting someplace 101.9 Chayafem Chayichin Uhtar Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 Chayafem. 101.9 high We are back here. And in studio I have with me Rabbi Echanoch Teller, author of many books, uh, one of the most famous uh, educational speakers, writers. I think part of my education I grew up, I always heard quotes from my parents from... Rabbi Hanoch Teller, and we need to discuss a lot of things. But before we get to our discussions, just a short reading, I was an uh, important announcement. Fre- frequency f- frequency footwear, where Melrose Arch is having a massive sale. If you want to experience com- craftsmanship at massive discount, what's happening, you will be happy to know that frequency footwear has the just has just launched their winter sale offering 30% off on all winter shoes boots and booties frequency shoes imports from Spain Italy France Greece and Portugal and are well known for their unique style and their magnificent shoes are designed with comfort and du- durability in the mind well will list that service is personal and attentive. Time to claim the 30% discount. Frequency Shoes are giving away 3,000 Rand voucher to their store. All you have to do is take a selfie in front of a Frequency Shoes in Melrose Arch and send it to info at highfm.com for exclusive style and quality Frequency Footwear. In the Gloria Mar- Merlot's Arch, in the place f- is the place for you. Okay, so from shoes to discussion about children, about our lives. So, in studio, I have Rabbi Chanach as I said before. Good afternoon, thank you so much for being with us. Hello, listeners. What an honor to have you here in South Africa, here on High FM, here in the studio, for the time we have left. I'll, let me start straight with your la- latest book, "Heroic Children," a dream of every Jewish mother, a v- dream of everybody. <laughs> well, we all hardly want that. in this
0: case. Uh, everybody maybe wants a child to be a hero, but <laughs> these children are the heroism is something no one would
1: ever want, and the greatest nightmare. I could see. a the story the picture, who survived right. the children, children who survived the Holocaust. Right, and, and I actually did want to start with that because you're taking um, kids that grew up in the most unfortunate uh, or an unfortunate situation and we're we're looking at them in in a very um, positive way and in a way of of growth. It's not a question of looking at them in a positive way.
0: Really what happens, this is their biography. When the war was over, naturally, those who survived wanted people to know their story and how they had suffered. Uh, The people who did not tell their story were the children, and basically that story has gone untold. So quite a number of years ago, we came upon this disastrous race for time I wanted to capture these stories all over the world before it was too late. Uh, as we know, the survivors of the Holocaust, if they are still alive, they are in the grips of old age. So I traveled all over the world, including to South Africa. And one of my nine children is a woman, Cecilia Uh I will be speaking tomorrow night in the Sydenham Shul. Uh, that's the shoal where she was a member, speaking in her honor, her story, and connecting that to the Holocaust at large. Uh, so we have these nine children from all corners of the Holocaust kingdom, boys and girls, religious, not religious, from all the way the north, the south. And through their riveting stories, we learned the story of the Holocaust in a very
1: gripping way. And, and do you find, it, uh, if we take it more to that discussion, you, you mentioned at the beginning of the sentence that for some reason the story of the adults was told and the story of the kids wasn't told. That's
0: primarily because the children were unable to tell the story at the time. They were too young, too affected. Uh, The chance of a child surviving period was unlikely. The children served no purpose for the Nazi regime. As a rule, Jews didn't at all, but at least Jews were laborers. Children were too young to understand, didn't follow orders well. They were separated from their parents. So as a rule, their plight was less than 3% of the children under
1: Nazi jurisdiction survived. So, so when you say that the kids, their story hasn't been told and hasn't been shared, is it because no one was there to hear them, because they weren't ready to open? It takes them time longer to to, to open up and to reflect? What
0: I have found, I, I can't say this is scientific, but what I found was is that after the war, children survivors worked assiduously and very determinedly to forget what happened. And then in the 1980s, it became much more chic to talk about the Holocaust. And these children now, after a gap of nearly 35 to 45 years, it was hard for them to recall the story accurately. So when I was trying to gather stories, I met people who had riveting, gripping stories, but I knew because I'm somewhat knowledgeable about the Holocaust, they couldn't be accurate. They didn't mean to mislead, but over time it had done its share, and the stories were no longer accurate. Uh, The nine stories in this book are
1: very, very accurate. How how did did their stories become inaccurate?
0: Uh, but the mind play tricks. They tried so hard to forget. Uh, I, I'll just tell you by way of analogy, it's, it's a lighter subject. Uh, people ask me all the time, I hear stories, and I've written 28 books of stories. Uh, maybe a few of them are biographies. They ask me, "What do, do I write on the stories? The answer is no. I deliberately do not write them down. I let them percolate to my head. And by the time I'll write them, which could be nine years later, 12 years later, they've taken on a whole shape. I, I already picture what color dress she was wearing and the little argument they had beforehand. That's all part of the story.
1: Right. It, it, the reason it fascinates me, because this is, when we do talk about education, we talk about uh, children and what they're going through and how to relate with them. We see, A, that many times they, they can try to adapt their feelings, their emotion, and their experience of a situation. That doesn't have to be the accurate reality. And in a way, that's a tremendous tool, maybe a dangerous tool, maybe a positive tool, maybe both, and maybe a tool that you can elaborate on how we can use in our benefit. Well, that's a fact.
0: That. People, Everybody sees things from their own perspective, and a child has a whole different world than how an adult will look at something. There was a movie many years ago. Of course, I didn't see it, but a famous movie, and it was called Big, <laughs> I think. And so the genius of this movie was is it had an adult who became a child, and he was able to devise toys from the perspective of a child, which is far more efficacious than having adults trying to devise what a child would like. So that was his genius. To kind
1: of come into their perspective. Right. Okay. So so when we come and, and, and perhaps work with children, try to go through what they're going through and what they're experiencing through, you, you would recommend a tool like trying to go into – the way they would experience well, it? Well, what's
0: unique, let me say, about the book is that this is the first book I'm aware of that tells the story of the Holocaust from the unique perspective of a child. I'm um, in their voice. So we have interesting stories. Many children grew up overnight. Overnight. Completely. And then I have a story of three teenagers that were running for their lives in France, and they were in wine country, and as they were literally running for their lives, they came across a statue of Les Trois musketeers, the three musketeers, and they okay. started swashbuckling with each other because... They were children. They were kids. <laughs> and yeah. they forgot that they were running for their lives. And all of a sudden, when it was almost too late, they remembered where they were, and they stopped play acting started running. And uh, mm. one of my children, uh, after the war, she, had, at the age, remarkable age of eight or nine years old, she had to take care of her brother, who was three years old. And he was on a barracks, and he couldn't get off it, and he couldn't have any accidents, and she had to watch him. And then after the war, she was liberated. She went into a German home. And she saw girls who were 15 years old, 18 years old, and they are now picking up where they left off. They had left off. They were playing with dolls. And she couldn't believe it. After coming out of a concentration camp, what are they doing? They're playing with dolls. They were just picking up where they left off. They, well, they had this interruption, but their childhood
1: remained. Wow. Well, so so then it's completely different. And, and, and I want to take your experience because one of the big, big things that we deal with here on a day-to-day basis is trauma. Now, I, there's nothing to compare, and I'm not comparing and I'm not questioning. However, we do have a situation here of kids who grow up overnight. Kids in um, South Africa who suddenly overnight had a few robbers come into their house, wake them up with weapons, hold a gun to their head, uh, hold a knife to their head, and, and kind of uh, rob them, held them down for a few hours. It's It's a reality that happens. How do we engage with these kids from your perspective that you've seen them after so many years kind of? Um, that they left off where they were. They grew up overnight. They've changed to relate to them. Use uh, use the tool of um, of kind of restructuring uh, what they, they experience or how they experienced. I don't talk so
0: yeah, I'm hardly trained to speak about this. Uh, uh, and I myself, I don't know how I would deal with uh, many situations of, of trauma. However, uh, when I would interview these children children meaning they were in their 70s and their 80s, I saw in their eyes being thrown back to the trauma of their youth, and they relived it. Uh, As far as trauma today of someone who's experienced something, I'm such a wimp compared to uh, the people that I write about. I go by... uh, I'm driving, and someone calls me a dirty Jew. I get all bent out of shape. And that's a joke. I remember I once took a taxi uh, in Brooklyn. I had to go from Brooklyn to LaGuardia Airport. And this driver picked me up who was a Russian. And many in New York, is very common, at least in Brooklyn, that the car services are Russian drivers. And it was a boiling hot day. And as a matter of etiquette, I like to sit up next to a driver. Most people sit in the back. I feel it's nice to sit next to the driver. He was heavy, sweaty, malodorous, odorific, redolent. And I sat next to him, and he had also a very large head that was disfigured. He was a fellow you could never miss. And uh, for some reason, I'm sure your listening audience is not familiar with New York geography, but on the way to LaGuardia, instead of going to conventional way, taking the Grand Central Parkway, he decided to go through Prospect Park. And we're coming to a red light, which turned red. And then an equestrian, a fellow riding a horse, or a few people riding horses, started crossing. And he decides to barrel through the red light. And so I'm sitting up front wearing a black hat and a suit. And they yell, you dirty Jew. And I'm... (laughs) melting, dying a thousand deaths, and the driver is laughing. And I said, excuse me, sir. I was talking to him in Yiddish. I said, I don't find this humorous. And he said to me, look at my head. And then he started explaining to me the anatomy of his head. This crack over here, the story, by the way, was 25 years ago. This crack over here is uh, that's from a concentration camp when a truncheon cracked my skull. And this, this laceration over here is when I was in a labor
1: camp in Siberia. So for a person who went through this, to be called a name is a joke. It's a a complete joke. So it's interesting that everybody sits on their level. We do have to take a short ad break, and we'll be right back continuing this discussion.
0: Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM,
1: Soul to Soul. We are back to the last part of the hour. Um, here in studio is me with me, Rabbi Hanoch Teller, an uh, international speaker, educator, publisher of books. And we have d- just broke off before the break speaking about uh, kids experiencing things their own way um, through their trauma and different levels of trauma. And right before the break, um, Rabbi Teller brought us a story uh, from... I'm not going to go through the whole story, but your experience in New York, which kind of led to everybody's perspective of offendancy is probably what their background is and what they're used to, which means that many times what we think is not important and it doesn't occur to us, somebody else who hasn't experienced what we went through, it does bother them and it does hurt them. And I think it's a point to be very sensitive about and to really realize that when I want to deal with a child, I want to deal with somebody, I want to relate to someone, it's very important to actually go to their perspective and understanding of how to get there. Correct. Which leads me to a f- famous talk that you have that we can't go on an educational shog without discussing. Be a Okay. Fascinating. <laughs> right, so actually, like, how do we that's a the mench?
0: primary part of my trip. I mean, we had a very significant <laughs> interruption for Tisha B'Av where I was speaking, and a lot of my talks were directed to the Holocaust. And I should mention, I think it was mentioned already, that tomorrow night I'll be in the Sindan Shul, I believe it's quarter to eight, 745, speaking about Cecilia Baruchavich. And through her, I'm going to tell the vehicle of the Holocaust. Uh, that that she been as very... a child, and she's in your book. Right. Uh, okay. Very remarkable child. And her story of clashes of high culture and the scourge of the earth is remarkable. But let's go talk about being a mensch, because I'm speaking tonight, God willing, for the parents of King David. Uh, I spoke for the children already uh, before Shabbos, and I did the same thing in Maharsha. It's a workshop, and we call it honorable mention. And it's talking about things which are pretty fundamental, but it's always good to have reminders, such as cell phone decorum. It's not always appropriate to speak on a cell phone, uh, and certainly not in a loud voice. And to have, cool. to, when you're speaking to someone, to have your pay attention to your fellow person. Uh, speaking about not being late. People, everyone understands that uh, if I rob you, then I'm a thief. There's much less understanding. If I cause you to wait for me or cause a whole class to wait for me, that's also stealing, but it's far more heinous. Money can be replaced. Time is irreplaceable. Okay, Uh, so being cautious of other people around you. uh, Correct, and being sensitive to their needs, being sensitive (laughs) to it's more than just saying please and thank you. It's not leaving a soiled tissue on a bench or on a table. It's things that you would never do at home. People find a lot of laxity to do in a shul, to do in a school.
1: Uh, inappropriately. And, and through the years of experience, do you feel like some things that used to come to us naturally are not as naturally anymore?
0: Uh, yes. Uh, the whole social media has created people to be much more, not only perhaps self-centered. Uh, well, say. it's, it's more of a me first world, okay, uh, which didn't exist before. So, so there's a lot of mo- a lot today, more, today the question really is set it or unset is what's in it for me. And, uh, when my parents grew up, that's not the way. That's it wasn't the question. what
1: I can give, not what I could get, right. what I, not what I could take. Well, I wish we had more time. Unfortunately, Craig is uh, ending up the show. He's the boss, so we listen. <laughs> thank you so much, Craig, for being here. Rabbi Teller, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know we hardly had any time to get into Pleasure, the Pleasure, but you're talking about education. I have to get one line in. For sure. The greatest educator I think I know is Rabbi David Gardner. My father. <laughs> and you can see that's why I'm so well grown up. Uh, just, <laughs> uh, just, just joking. Thank you so much. Um, I will pass on the message to him. Okay. And it's it's been a complete inspiring okay. Thank you, moment listeners, and okay. pleasure. Thank you so much. Rabbi Hanuch Teller, you could still hear him tomorrow speaking at Sindem tomorrow night. And you Workshops going in King David. I don't know if it's open for the I'm not or sure ever. if that's
0: open or not. There's actually also a
1: sium. Rabbi Yisroel Meir Raf
0: is made tomorrow a night, at Maharsha, night at, Maharsha. at Maharsha. Maharsha. There's
1: a lot happening, and there's also 28 books you could read from to get through to Rabbi Teller. 101.9, and Thank you so much for being with us. We'll be back, please God, next Monday two to three. Thanks.